When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we are back to cover Young Justice Phantoms. That's Young Justice Season 4, covering Episode 20, Forbidden Secrets of Civilization's Past. And we will get right into that after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. Ads. 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 For the cast of Pod. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Lockout dates may apply. See website for details. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. All right, folks, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am J. Scotty St. Clair, and once again, I am joined by my animation cohorts, and they are Zuhair Ali. And Andrew Rogers. Welcome, welcome. It's good to be back discussing some Young Justice. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. That was a that was a fun episode. Yeah, it was a interesting episode, and I am already prepared to explain all of the timelines wherever I have to. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I will say I'm a little baffled by the title. It makes somewhat sense to me, but it's I still am just like scratching my head a little bit about it. Like, did we really spend that much time with civilizations past? We can get into that. Yeah, there's possibly one civilization that came back up. Maybe, maybe more of a house, but... Ah, ah, indeed, indeed. I thought it was because we still had secrets. Yeah. Well, I did mention we are coming back to talk Young Justice because last week, we did discuss Young Justice last week, but in between, we had an episode that was a first for us. It was a news and feedback episode. There was a lot of exciting news in the world of animation. So we just wanted to take the opportunity to really dive in and bring that to your attention. We also read some some feedback that we were a little uh, overwhelmed with, if you will, but not in a bad way at all. We put a call out there for more feedback and we got some responses. We've got that queued up right now. All right. So the first one is from Chrissy. Hey, guys, Chrissy here. I'm about to be all caught up on Attack on Titan, so I only have one episode left, so I'm catching up on y'all's episodes finally. I got to say I love Falco's look for the Jaw Titan, the best out there of the three we've seen. Mm. I'll probably give mm. my other thoughts after I watch the season finale next week. She put season finale in quotes. <laughs> but until then, I found a cool video on YouTube explaining the scale of the Titan sizes in the real world using CG effects. It's a really cool video, so I thought I would share with you all so you could be as baffled as I am when it comes to the actual size of Colossal Titan. 
Well, that's all I've got for you right now. Have a great week and stay whelmed, Chrissy. P.S. Link to the videos below. If it doesn't work, the VFX artist reveals true scale of Attack on Titan by Corridor Crew. I've never heard of this video before. Thank you so much, Chrissy. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you gotta throw me under the bus like that, huh? <laughs> no, thank you, Chrissy. When you get to the finale and you hear me reference that exact video in the finale podcast, you'll you'll have a good chuckle. I promise. <laughs> yes, I am very familiar with Corridor Digital and Corridor Crew. So even before Andrew had brought this Uh, video up. I had seen it before, but I will include the link in the show description because we did not have a link for it when Andrew brought it up. But yeah, I recommend anybody that's a fan of movies, any of the behind the scenes stuff, they're kind of filling in that gap that I've been missing for a while. Like Disney Plus has kind of started to fill that gap with like their gallery series and their assembled series and whatnot. But I feel like Blu-rays have really been missing out on those robust like behind the scenes features. And these guys, they have their VFX artist reacts, their animators reacts. They do a lot of just goofy, fun videos with, with visual effects and whatnot. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend them. And thank you, Chrissy, for bringing them up again. And when Chrissy's name come up comes up, I, I can't help but think about, um, she did give us that awesome little image that she had of uh, Captain Levi, kind of like yeah. a cardboard cutout that she posted in her car window where he was like scrubbing away i don't know if we ever posted that to our story but if we didn't Uh we definitely need to because it's hilarious and i I will make sure that that picture goes up when this podcast goes live so everyone can get this beautiful picture chrissy (laughs) sent it to us it's just a hilarious sticker of captain levi that we had a great laugh about in our group chat so i want to make sure that everyone can uh properly honor how amazing this is yeah, mm-hmm. and this is a mm-hmm. video that both of y'all sent me individually, and now we have Chris's email as well, so that kind of stands to how good it is. So if you haven't mm. seen it, go check it out. Definitely. Yeah, like he said, Corridor Digital is great. Uh, just don't dig into too much of their stuff, because then th- some things I say are probably going to sound like I'm copying them. But <laughs> I'm kidding, but I do follow all of their content. I'm a paid subscriber on their website. They do oh, wow. a okay. phenomenal job across the board. If you want any information about how to just do things better in film and how they've done a lot of things in film, they are one of the better places out there. For sure. All right. So for our next set of feedback, this acknowledges our uh, call to the cartoons that were our Saturday morning cartoons. So Mm. I'm going to add a little spin to this email. Oh, I'm going to read down the list. And since we see each other video, if I hold up one finger, I want you guys to say yes, that you did watch this. If I do two, say no. So we're going to have all the yeses at the same time, all the noes at the same time. Cool? Okay. All right. So email from TJ Stafford. I had to try and narrow down my list. Otherwise, you'd have to spend all episodes reading mine. (laughs) (laughs) You guys could probably make a whole episode just on this question if you wanted to. I'm sure there will be a lot of overlap with other people's lists, but a few of my favorites are. That's why I made up this game. All right, you guys ready? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Batman the Animated Series. Yes. Yes. All right, so no one knows. Batman Beyond. Yes. yes. No. Okay. Uh, Superman. Yes. yes. I forgot to say no. <laughs> I didn't. I'll tell you I wait for panicked. the finger. <laughs> X-Men. Yes. 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 No one knows. Uh, Spider-Man. Yes. 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 Fantastic Four. Mm. No. no. Okay. Uh, Gargoyles. Yes. Yes. 
No. All right. Pokemon. Yes. 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 I know. Uh, Digimon. Kinda. Yes. No. It, it's a kind of for sure, but it was fun. Yeah, it was one of those I kind of watched like here and there. It wasn't like yeah. Saturday morning. I got to watch this, you know. Yep. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes. No. No. <laughs> Captain Planet. Yes. No. No. Uh, SWAT Cats. Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> Pirates of the Dark Water. Hell yes, I did. Never heard of it. No, what is this? <laughs> oh, you youngins. One more, you one youngins. more, one more. Freakazoid. Yes. No. No. Aww. Hopefully I included at least a couple that weren't on everyone's list. Great topic, TJ Safford. <laughs> yeah. I hope we made it a little more entertaining for you. <laughs> I think that was a fun game for all of us to discover with each other. Yeah. Like, I, I will say a caveat about mine. I have since gone back and watched Batman Beyond and Superman. I was just mm. a little young for a lot of those things when I was actually growing up. So be- before everyone's like, you say you're a big Batman fan and you haven't seen Batman Beyond. I have. It just wasn't a Saturday morning cartoon. I'm yeah. a little too young for that. Yep, that's a good yeah. clarification because that was the purpose of this game of like what was something that was worth waking up at like 8 a.m. on a Saturday for. Hmm. Well, because I'm going to throw out there, I'm young enough that I think the only one still really on Saturday would have been Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! Everything else was a rerun that I would have watched at a later time. Sure, that makes sense. Yu-Gi-Oh! was the absolute best, especially like the original. I mean, I really like GX, um, but the original Yu-Gi-Oh! is like you had to know what was happening next. Mm. But yeah. yeah, for whatever reason, not to throw shade at it or anything like that, I just Yu-Gi-Oh! never grabbed me for one reason or another. I mean, I was into... Pokemon, and I mentioned Metabots last week, and Beyblades, but never Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know why. Yu-Gi-Oh is awesome. I still have my cards. I still have my dual discs. Okay, um, right on. It's great. I still have Funkos. Hey, if anybody has a Slifer or an Obelisk unboxed, or happens to see it at a store, let me know, because COVID screwed me over and canceled my over order, thinking there was no supply, and then shipped it out the next week, and now they're over 100 bucks. So call that help a guy out for Slifer and Obelisk Funkos because Raw is just sitting by himself. I understood Funkos. Someone (laughs) out there understood all the words that you just said, but it wasn't us. I am desperate. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. That was it for feedback, correct? Yep. Okay. Let's dive into this episode, shall we? Let's do it. All right. I found myself enjoying this episode, but I'm a little bit of a mixed reaction because normally I can, you know, delineate the various storylines in terms of like prominence and what have you. But I felt like every single storyline that was presented this week was like of equal importance. And in some ways, I kind of feel like Rocket's kind of getting the short end of the stick in her own arc, which is a little disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I was absolutely thrilled to finally get some traction with Beast Boy. Had such yeah. concerns for him this season. And we finally we made some headway. About him. Yeah. Do we want to start there? It was kind of the, sh- the shortest yeah. amount of, in terms of screen time. 
I'm going to throw out a negative before we go into the positive, just slightly oh, on this. Sure. Yeah, I, sure. I know we Mine's like just talk- a monologue, and I'm set on it, so go for it. Well, I just <laughs> wanted to throw out, it, it was a weird moment, and I still have mixed feelings about this, that this episode gave me whiplash, it felt like, mm. that it went from this story to that story to this story to that story, that we were getting really good at first on Garfield, and then they cut away to Bear and Forager joking about their relationships, and I... Yeah. It was good to have that comedic relief because I think I would have been a puddle otherwise. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's still, I feel like they could have given it a little bit more impact on the first couple times he was talking to Dinah, not just mm. the last one, had they done it in a better sequence. Besides that, I think the entirety of what was said was beautiful. It was just their editing choices. They It made sense to not make it too heavy, but also... Sure. It did take me out of the moment a couple times when that happened. That was the only thing that I wanted to say before we dive into the huge monologue, so take it away. That's fair. I'm not even sure if that's a negative. It's just, just a fair assessment. Yeah, a choice, I suppose, is the yeah. word. Yeah, I, to kind of put it in my own words, it kind of felt like they knew that we needed to go somewhere with the character of Beast Boy to include him in whatever the you know the final episodes are going to look like, but they didn't know exactly where to do that, so they decided this episode. And don't get me wrong, I love the stuff with Beast Boy, but I, I do agree with you. There were a few instances where it felt a little jarring to be going from such extremes in terms of like emotional payoff to lightheartedness. But like you said, they don't want to keep it too heavy. This is a, a show for all audiences. That's fair, especially with something like, um, I'm not going to get too into it, but like with Moon Knight and some of the other like Disney Plus series where it's like it's focused on that character. So a lot of the emotional stuff is something you have to like sit with for a whole episode. Mm-hmm. I think we are getting oh, yeah. a little used to that. So to cut between three different stories was like, no, let's let us sit with one, uh, which is why mm-hmm. I liked in the earlier parts of this season. It actually was focused on one, but yeah. you guys asked for more at once and now they're giving it to us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so my quick thing on it is this is from experience with, people who wanted to avoid dealing with mental health issues. And one of the common traits is that you deal with the shrink part of it so much that you know what to say. It's almost scripted. And that's where I feared that Beast Boy was going when it was like, all right, if you're not going to take this intervention, like you have to go meet with Dinah for you know, qualification anyway. So I was like, oh, he's totally going to fake his way out of this and then he's mm-hmm. going to get out mm-hmm. and then he's going to hurt somebody and like, this is not going to go well. Yeah. So, and I felt indications of that. Like every time Dinah hit a check mark, I was like, there's no way she's hitting in a check. Like those have to be X's on her board because mm-hmm. she's smart. Mm-hmm. I know she can read this right now. And yeah. I love that I understood her character enough to know that that's exactly what was happening. Because Beast yeah. Boy did go in there with, like, I know all the right things to say. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get back to my team. Mm-hmm. And Dinah was milking it for a little bit. But the fact that the second half of it was her actually, like, extracting what she wanted and actually triggering Garfield to have that breakdown that he needed. Mm-hmm. That was just A-plus writing. All of that was perfect and amazing. And I loved every second of it because... This is a relationship that she's had with all of these team members like since they joined. Like the fact that we're dealing with his issues from being eight to being like almost 20. Right. And right. like resurfacing all that and having that um 
I'm going to say patient doctor relation. I don't know if she actually is a doctor, but like mm-hmm. it's, it was just fascinating. I love how they did all of that. It was the highlight of the episode for me. It was so beautifully done. Oh, for sure. And you could tell that Garfield, he was doing that act, like you said at the beginning. Yeah. And it, it actually felt like he was acting. It mirrored those scenes from earlier in the season when he was on Space Trek. Like, he had that same level of energy that he was bringing to it where you knew, all right, he's phoning this in. And I didn't actually pick up on it until, did either of you see the clipboard before she put it down? It was checks, like, with, like, no questions, right? Like, it was just a blank page. I, I believe she had a blank page to make him think, oh, I'm asking you these questions yeah. scriptedly, and then put it back down. It, I am giving the animators the benefit of the doubt that they didn't just put checks on a piece of paper. But I thought it was just a moment of, okay, now that she's getting into it, let's get rid of the clipboard entirely and really dig in, entrench, and just remind us that, like, you want to be in control. But Mm. she pointed out, you were eight years old. That was Queen B. What were you going to do? The Justice League can't do anything. And yet he still wanted to. He still felt those needs. He felt like he wanted to protect those people. And I I can't agree more with everything you just said, Zuhair, that they wrote it to a point that all of us understand where this character is coming from, and we didn't have to have the tragic, he hurt someone first. They just let us mm. go through this grief with him, and I mm-hmm. I really like that choice, and I hope they don't go back on it as we go forward, because it was so perfectly done. Especially the medication part of it, where she was like, mm. oh, so what am I doing a drug test real quick? And it's like, oh, like, I just stopped. And then the whole conversation about short-term versus long-term, which really, like, triggered him. And For like sure. towards yeah. the end of that, like Ninja started cutting onions next to me, but I caught onto him really quick. Uh, so yeah. I didn't end up puddling up too much. Andrew almost did a spit take right there. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I did cry for everyone who wants to know why I'm laughing, but that, that was just a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, even before the like mention of like possible drug testing and he, you know, he indicated that he had just gotten off the drug, so they might be still in a system. She brought up Perdita. She's like, why don't you call him right or call her right now? And he's like, oh, you know, you could see the initial truthful reaction. Then he tried to play it off like, oh, we might get pretty hot and heavy with our makeup conversation. Wink. But I, I really love the comparison to his acting as if he was on that um, space show, Space Trek, I believe it was called. And he came in with his sunglasses on. And it's mm-hmm. just like you could tell everything from his body language when he removed the sunglasses. You have to see the bags under his, his eyes. He was trying to broadcast that he was being open and receptive to this therapy, but he really still wasn't at that, at that point in time. And yeah, what you brought up, Zuhair, about people that have been in the system and have received treatment for so long, they kind of know the motions and how to, you know, if, if she wasn't such a, a talented and dedicated therapist or psy- psychiatrist, whatever you want to call her in this situation, she might have let that slide. But yeah, he, when he brings up, oh, my trauma narrative, and she's like, oh, you know the drill. But then, yeah, just slowly but surely breaking him down in a, in a good way, breaking down the barriers that he's built to get him to actually say what I think, you know, anybody that's ex- experienced pain and trauma needs to say at some point in time, I need help. And she says, that's a start. That's a yeah. solid start. And we can go somewhere from there. And it's so re- relieving to finally get to that point with this character because I love Beast Boy. And it's been really concerning and frustrating to see him in this, like, really defensive and self-destructive phase. Yeah, that intervention scene was definitely really rough to watch, and I think all of us just wanted to start beating up on him for being such a douche to everybody mm-hmm. else, but it, it, 
that you could see the pieces moving on that emotional chess game and it was cool. Yeah. And kudos to Greg Sipes because I know he voiced the character back on like Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. He didn't mm-hmm. voice the character initially in the first two seasons of Young Justice, but he's really doing a great job of like delivering in those comedic performances, but then also really capitalizing on the emotional payoff and defensiveness in, in these episodes that we've had in season four. It's really, really good stuff. Rita got name dropped on that episode too. Who did? Uh, Rita from Doom oh, Patrol. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone that was in his life. And uh, speaking to the voice actor, I have to imagine he has gotten to grow so much with this character. We've talked about how uh, Kari Payton, the voice actor who did um, Aqualad, or rather Calder Aquaman, in the mm. last arc has just grown with this character. If you've been doing this since back in the early 2000s with Teen Titans and the same character all the way up through now, you have to know it. And you've done the childish side, you've done the jokes. So it has to also be welcoming to bring a more adult theme to it and fully act out because it's a testament to both his acting and the writing that mm. all of us felt like we were a part of that intervention scene that we felt for this character. We wanted to see him get better. We, you know, we didn't want to beat up on him because we hated him. We wanted to beat up on him because he was being the person that we want to take care of and the person sure. we want to see take care of the others that we care about so much. So for sure, I don't know how I managed to get so deeply emotionally involved in this show to the point that it just like sneaks up on you and you realize after the fact, holy crap, mm-hmm. I actually care about all of this is mm. uh, we we sing the praises all the time and that's never going to change welcome to animation deliberation but <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just amazing that's that's what i have to say yeah. dude greg this has been playing this role since 1998 wow he is 42 Re- years old Woo. he still has a very like boyish and youthful energy to his delivery so he started at 20 with beast boy yeah wow Wow, or rather, eighteen. If he's oh, okay. forty-two now, and he started in nineteen ninety-eight, yeah. Okay, Ooh. that's. I appreciate the quick math skills because I'm not that good at math. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm only that good because I was born in ninety-eight. So he's been oh, okay. he's been playing Beast Boy as long as I have been alive. Wow, what in the world is that? Well, I wish I could come up with a better segue, but thinking about the spans of lives makes me think about the conversation that Bear had with Flash, Jay Garrick. <laughs> you know, I don't know about short lifespans, but I just turned 102 yesterday, and Bear, Bear like, oh, you has baby. This, that's that's uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but that's uh, cons- considerable. He just kind of turns <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> You could tell he like caught Rocket's eye and Rocket was like, don't no, he's older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of mentioned how, you know, I I felt like Rocket was getting a little bit of the short end of the stick with just kind of having her stuck in these deliberations, if you will, with uh, the new Geneseans, the new gods. But, you know, apart from like the humorous conversations, learning a little bit more about the Green Lantern, Tomar Ray and his relationship with the House of El as well as Planet Krypton. My biggest takeaway was, once again, Orion. At the beginning, we saw him finally you know, show a little softness, show a little empathy, seem to relent a little bit, especially when they were talking about Halo and how the biggest request the New Gods had was to take Cyborg and Halo into custody or care, however you want to put it, because they're housing 
new god technology. And when Rocket brings up the point that she's going to be taken care of by her family, you just see that kind of glint in, of understanding in Orion's eyes because, you know, he is the son of Darkseid, but he's been raised by, was it High Father and High Mother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. he just immediately says, the new, the new gods, the new gods, uh, I, I wanted to do the voice, but yeah, we basically Rescind our previous request. Exactly, exactly. I wish I could have done it in the voice. Our previous request. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it does not take long at all for him to just turn around and go back to being a complete dick. Like Bear comes in and mentions that he mourns the loss of Superboy, and they all have a, an opportunity to kind of speak to their their own processing of that loss and their grief, and he's just. This is a waste of time. What does this have to do with the conversation we're having right now? You're talking about birthdays. You're talking about love affairs. You're talking about this comrade that's fallen away. Kilowog relieved himself at the table. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I put it on silent. Yeah, exactly. He's like, it's it's no more out of place than all these other conversations. It's basically bathroom talk. I was so. like, why is he getting like the camera put on him? Like just putting his head back and chilling. Like, Oh, he just <laughs> dropped a deuce. That's why <laughs> I was just gonna say, it's really hard because all of us as viewers totally agree. Orion is being obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But if I was in a UN meeting as a big deal and I had, you know, I'm not going to use real countries. I had Mars over here. I had the United States, or the United States. I had Mars over here, Earth over here, and Saturn over there. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure this is a serious conversation where everything is important. And then to have Mercury roll in and try and give everybody a hug, I'm going to be upset that there's something big going on. So as much as it seemed like he was being obnoxious, he was totally in the right being sure. upset at how everything had just fallen apart on this super serious meeting that they were supposed to be having to deal with human trafficking and right. you know, gigantic technology that could end planets. Gigantic mm. technology for such an s- over-civilized country, like so well-developed. How do you not have locks on a door for an important meeting? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> we have, uh. like, secretaries and locked doors and conference rooms here. How mm. does Super City not have an intercom like, Bear is here to see you now. Do not let him in. We are in a meeting. Like, I would have been okay if then he broke through the doors after that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And what did Bear say? He's, he, I don't mean to interrupt or throw things off. And Orion's just like, I highly doubt that. That line got me. <laughs> Yeah. Bear is amazing. His appearance, mm-hmm. I thought, was like overdue. I've been wondering, like, when he was going to pop up, mm-hmm. or at least like some mention of like where he's at. Yeah, and where has the the sphere been? Or was that was that resolved already? Did the sphere go off somewhere? I'm trying to remember because you know I Connor don't... basically had the sphere and Wolf as his companions. I think the only appearance we've seen of Sphere that I can think of was the scene on the Kent farm. Back when he had to tell Superboy or Superman had to tell his son about his Uncle Connor when Wolf was howling and Sphere was there. I don't think we ever saw like anyone else do anything. I'm guessing they're both with McGann now that she's back from Mars. 
Okay. Yeah. But that I, makes sense. I, I'm assuming that wasn't a necessary to be resolved point as of yet. Lois Lane is just sphere sitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't help but think about the sphere because Bear was so integral to the sphere being really entrusted to Connor in the first place. So it made sense when he brought up the fact that he mourned the loss of Connor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say on the topic of mourning Connor, it was amazing that every single person in that room had some sort of influence from Superboy, that he had this far-reaching power and honor. Because mm. this whole time, we've kind of thought of him as a sidekick. And now that, unfortunately, after he's passed, we get to see he really did come into his own with the team, with the power that he brought, and you know, with all of the good that he did, and never yeah. really asked for that recognition. It was just kind of awesome to know how far-reaching it was. Yeah, Tamara is like reaction of like his one regret being not being able to help Krypton and the relationship that he had with the people and stuff was it just it just set more of the story and like a big world that we've already appreciated for so long. Yeah, definitely the fact that he had very a close knit relationship with both Superman's father Jor El as well as his brother Zor El, who I believe in the flashback in the exposition we got last week, Zor El specifically was a very high-ranking political member in the whatever government Krypton has. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Well, with all this talk of Connor, uh, it seems like a perfect opportunity to transition to that aspect of the story. We've got I like this much to say about Rocket. <laughs> well, un- unfortunately, I mean, she didn't really have that much other than some grimaces here and there. She kind of interjected when Forager said that he was entertaining the idea of staying with Forager. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing that I had written down after that comment was Forager's a Disney princess. Oh God. I just I just met this man. I must or woman, I must go marry her. He's safe. When he starts well, I was gonna say when he starts singing, but basically did in the post credit scene. Yeah. Even a bug from New Genesis can appreciate some William Shakespeare. Hey, if he it's was universal. his high school valedictorian here, you know that he knows some Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. He had to. <laughs> he probably knows some Canterbury Tales as well. Whole nother can of worms. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's transition to the journey that Connor went on, being kind of led by Druzad through the Phantom Zone and really kind of taught how to exist within the Phantom Zone. And before they got to the quote-unquote shelter that they had created in the Phantom Zone with... House of Zod and the various members there, Feora, Ursa, were some callouts name-wise that I recognized. One of my biggest standouts there was the fact that he mentioned it was willpower. Their willpower is what enabled them to be able to have like actual tactile, tangible movements and uh, make headway in the Phantom Zone in terms of like construction and whatnot. So. As soon as he said that, it was like, ding, 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 ding. We're dealing with the Green Lantern Corps right now, and they're all about willpower. How is this all going to shake out? Interesting. That that was not a connection I had totally put together, but it, it makes mm. perfect sense as soon as you say it. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm scared like one of them is going to get out of the Phantom Zone and kill a Green Lantern with the ring. Oh, my mind didn't go there, but... Well, can you have... I don't think you can do that because if you're not good of heart with your willpower and you kill a lantern, the 
Ring then uses the AI we talked at length about last week right. to pick a new host. So I don't think they could just take the ring. The ring has to choose the owner. Like they could still very well Correct. kill a Green yeah. Lantern, which would be concerning, but I don't think they can get the power because if you're killing someone out of rage, even with willpower, you're probably going to end up with a red ring or a yellow mm. ring or something along those lines being your what chooses you, not what you I choose. I don't know, because like, now we know that Razor can hold two rings. Sinestro held the green ring for so long. Despite having like the developing militia's attention, sure it changed at some point, but like Well, and, and this is a little bit of comic knowledge of the Green Lanterns, is generally speaking, you can do that change like Sinestro does, because there are even comics where Hal Jordan uh ends up being fearful that someone is going to take over Ferris Air and kill mm. uh, his girlfriend, and Sinestro ends up taking him and being like, Okay, you're gonna be my puppet now, and he switches over despite being one of the most notable Green Lanterns. I think it's more of a story note that they have them switch than it being as easy to just take a ring. Like the yeah, the reason yeah. Razor could have both is because he suddenly realized I can be angry about things, but I can also hope that it's going to be good because that ring still chose him. Like I, I, I just have this hard time thinking they put so much focus on the rings, choose the people. It would be weird for them to throw that away and say, Oh, you killed someone rings yours. I don't know, willpower to restore your clan. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it, too. It's like the best villains don't see themselves as the villains, so if they're very resolved in their will to restore the House of Zod, I could totally see a a situation where they're not fearful, they're not necessarily rageful, they're just resolved in in their purpose, and yeah, it'd be really interesting if it went that way. A Kryptonian with a ring? Whew. Scary stuff. You've convinced me. I I could see it happening now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm never understanding any of those. (laughs) (laughs) You got one, bud. Yeah. Um, Outside of that, I would say the piece of dialogue, which was actually unspoken in a way that really struck a a chord with me, is when he first arrives in front of Urso with Superboy. And it's obvious that she recognized their longtime foe. And he just says, we're playing the long game with this one. And all she that's all she needs to hear. She immediately starts playing into the role that she needs to to basically get Superboy to the point that we see him at the end of this arc where he's kneeling before Zod. We've speculated about what this you oh. know, all the episode titles are going to to spell out. And by the end of this episode, we do have Connor kneeling before Zod. We did it, Jay Scotty. um i will say i don't know if she necessarily recognized superboy because i don't Mm. know if they have any knowledge of who he is because the whole timeline goes that they were locked in the phantom zone on krypton krypton blows up Mm -hmm. and then they were never let back out until well either later or ever so I don't know if they've ever come into contact with Superman yet at this point to have him be an adversary. Obviously, they don't like the House of L because mm. House of L is the one that locked them in. But I don't know if they have enough knowledge to link Superboy to Superman to the symbol to the House of L. I could be wrong, but from what mm. it from the timeline that they've given us so far, and like I said, I was kind of ready to explain. It seemed like that was all before 
And okay. so far into the future is where Lorzod is trying to come back to the past to stop these problems from happening. Okay. See, the way I took it is that with the Phantom Zone kind of existing outside of time, like once they had been freed from the Phantom Zone and sent back with the Phantom Zone projector, which we learned in last week's episode with the the exposition there, that this version of Ursa that we were seeing was not pregnant. She had already had Lorzod and she had already combated the Legion of Superheroes, so she would have recognized Superboy as much as Zod would have, and that's why he kind of had to give her the heads up. We're playing the long game with this one. Yes, this is our sworn enemy, but we're going to kind of put up this front in order to basically recruit him to our own cause. But that was that was just my takeaway. You could be completely right. I I just took the line of we're going to play the long game with this one to mm-hmm. mean, oh, there's all of these others that we figured out how to get them under our control because we haven't even talked about the very cult-like mind control scene that we saw. Mm. Felt like, okay, we're going to have to play this out and get him under our control before anything happens. But this is where time travel gets weird, and I, I'm i now having trouble remembering when they were let out the first time, so there could be a lot. Zuhair seems like his brain hurts. What, <laughs> what are you thinking? No, so mine was a lot more simple. I thought Connor just introduced himself, and that's how he found out that he was from the L family, so... He never not. said L. He said, I'm the Superboy. And he's like, if you say so, something to that extent. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like, you got your grandpa's eyes. Um, the other <laughs> thing, what is this mind control? The cult-like mind control you're referring to? I don't. To me, that song that they were singing of the... I, I work, can't remember. Work. Yeah. Work. Oh, I thought it was just like... the House of Zod. That was just a morale thing because they'd been there so long and they had oh, okay. to work. It's just like they just established leadership. And- I don't. Hmm. I I don't know because I don't think if I remember correctly, I I know there's one that is not of the House of Zod. Most of them had their own unique symbols on their chest. Hmm. So if they're not of the House of Zod, why would they care so much to be singing and working hard and saying we're gonna do this for the Zod, we're gonna win for it- the Zod? Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Yes. Well, all those houses and clans coming under one banner. It's like literally there was a spat between two brothers and like thousands of people killed each other. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just a clan loyalty thing, you know, like I feel like the Zod family attempted a coup and all these other families like joined with them. This is just their way of saying or shouting out the king in the north. Yeah, I mean, mm. so when I heard the song, it reminded me of um, Be Prepared from Lion King. So, like, I pictured yes. all of them as the hyenas and Zod was Scar. Uh, okay. So, again, it's just like the loyalty of, like, we have a greater uh, objective at hand and Zod's the one that's going to get us there. That's how hmm. I took it. Hmm. I-, I could totally see either way. I I don't know why the Be Prepared type disney style song gave me some witch over a cauldron you will be under my spell kind of feelings and i don't know if subconsciously that is why because also there's a little monologue i can go on in a couple minutes here about the music in this episode and this arc in Mm. general has just been really good but besides the point i don't know i was getting weird thoughts but it could be that simple that his willpower and their willpower was coming together to do amazing things be prepared to probably have answers next week. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. 
I was really fascinated that it was just willpower that got them to read each other's minds. Where it's like, I have mm. enough willpower that I want you to hear this sentence. It's like, whoa, that's fascinating. Yeah. And yeah, I, I guess just what kind of solidified the somewhat like nefarious nature of the entire proceedings, the initiation there, for lack of a better term, is even when he like first set foot in that colony, for lack of a better term, I think it was Feora that said, let's show him, let's lead by example here and show him how to act. And they all just take a knee immediately. Yeah. It was interesting. I feel like there is just a strong level of loyalty. Yeah. And there is one, I don't even want to call it a tease, but when I mentioned they all didn't have the Zod symbol on their chest, there was one of them that did have the S. It, there was some other marking on top of it, but there that. was an S character. I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know who this character is. I did see their name in the wiki, but I'm not going to throw out what it is. But just a huh, there's some, that's why I was so intent on these, these people all can't be focusing on Zod so hard because Mm. there's a, I'm guessing L amongst them based on the fact that there was the L symbol on one of the characters' chests. Hmm. It looks like he just has a cut like Superboy does. Like, it looks like the S and it looks like he just like got scratched by one of the devourers or whatever they were called. Oh, okay. Well, there is a question. Does it look like a cut that a devourer did or was it cut before? Because we got that little nod that they go into the phantom zone away and they don't heal or anything. Could he have been betrayed and got cut across the chest and then sent into the phantom zone? That's why the symbol looks cut. Very well could be. Older Superboy? Yeah, Superboy's like three scratches across his chest, like. That was after he right because right because yeah, he says we don't heal here we don't do anything here we're just basically consciousness here which is you know unfortunate for Phantom Girl because I she's not conscious background <laughs> don't do that stop very, that it's it's like it's very simple and interesting I'm not going to say anything of it but like <laughs> I'm I'm very intrigued to learn about him now mm, mm. well outside of all that. Superboy, while he does seem to be in a submissive and allegiant position by the end of this arc, the other thing was is he starts to have flashes of his actual memories where we saw twisted memories beforehand. You know, Zod himself said the devourers are not the worst thing in the Phantom Zone. It might be this Phantom Zone sickness, uh, which they keep at bay through their willpower. When he mentions family, Superboy says family and then actually has the flashback to the team, to McGann. So I'm wondering how long a game we're going to have to play before he actually gets all of his memories back and becomes the Connor that we know and love. It hit me in the feels. That was mm. such a cute scene of them together. It was like, oh, put them back together. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it was beautiful. And I don't know how this is going to wrap up by the time the season's over. That's the one thing I've been trying to wrap my mind around. It's like we still have a whole other arc, I'm guessing, of Dick Grayson Nightwing that we're going to have to deal with a whole other thing. How are we also going to have time to involve Zatanna or the Green Lantern, whoever's going to get him back from the Phantom Zone, or the projector that's going on in this arc? Like, There's so Mm. many threads that we still have to pull on. Yeah. And I I don't... Something's going to have to get pushed to next season because Young Justice hasn't set up something. I don't know what it's going to be. Is it this? Is it the other thing? I'm I'm so curious how this is going to play out. It's going to set up a five-year time jump which is going to be referenced in season five. (laughs) 
Um, uh, no. More than likely. More than likely. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Superboy's travels with Zod in the Phantom Zone? Nope, I'm ready to go on to this other crew. Okay. Travelers. More timelines. Right, right, exactly. Which may very well may be, you know, um, we talked about the namesake of this episode, Forbidden Secrets of Civilization's Past that could be a mention to Krypton and the House of El. But my kind of takeaway was... Oh. I just figured it out as we're talking about this oh, what part you got? of the episode. This yeah. part of the episode is the Forbidden Secrets of Civilization's Past. That's that's kind of what I, I yeah I was I was getting at but sorry <laughs> no no please be more specific what do you got what, well, what do you enti- think the entirety of his vault is just collecting things from right. all of these places and Krypton right. has a dozen boxes we see at the end of different right. artifacts that Metron has collected yeah the, there you go these are the secrets that they wouldn't want us to find because I'm just gonna jump right in here there was the note early in the season when they were questioning. How did this time or not time travel here because they didn't know how did this person get kryptonite to put into a bomb? You know, Mm. all of the kryptonite we've tracked across the galaxy has been accounted for. Guess what? Metron had some hiding in this place. It was the Mobius dimension uh, beyond Mm. time and space, as we know Mobius to very much be a term to be that he had some hiding there. And that is very much a secret that is hidden away from the rest of the world. If he could stop Superman, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, great call out there. I hadn't made that connection entirely. I was more focused on the way Metron used the kryptonite against Lorzad. And then Mantis was able to say, oh, if he's keeping the kryptonite here, more than likely that's where the Phantom Zone projector is. But it was this was actually one of my favorite parts of the episode is even though these are our, our villains, our bad guys, it was really kind of cool to see this unlikely trio that really didn't seem too fond of each other kind of worked together to achieve their goal. And they were all able to use their strengths to achieve this goal from the beginning with my posing as Orion. Just uh, it makes sense that the new gods are looking out for Metron with what happened in the last episode and the destruction he kind of wrought alongside Razor um, to them <laughs> actually, you know, being inside this Mobius dimension. What do you got, here? It's just funny. Cause like, I loved Metron getting pounded on because he's such a jerk, but I loved yeah. like how intelligent he still was in that scenario. So the fact that he got hit so hard, like through the boom tube, back into mm-hmm. his vault just to get attacked again by the other guy, it's like, man, he cannot catch a break. He doesn't deserve it, but he can't catch a break at all. Yeah, that had me wondering, what exactly does the Kaiser Thrall do? Because I like, thought it was just right. a souped out mother box. Is it? Okay. Because I'm I'm kind of getting those vibes myself. It seems like it might be an element of what helps them either be in sync or out of sync with the particular time that they're traveling to. Maybe you know the time sphere is only capable of traveling to view times, but then once they're able to sync with the time with the Kaiser Thrall, then they can you know interact with it tangibly. And then it kind of seemed like they were using the Kaiser Thrall to like make Metron like constantly phase between various times it kind of reminded me of you know a reference to wandavision when spoilers for wandavision when monica rambo monica right correct yeah when she gets her powers and she's like walking through wanda's uh hex barrier there and you get to see all the various forms of her become united it reminded me a little bit of that kind of seeing him get split apart and it seemed like various times and like he was being 
divided. And that's why it was so painful. There was also, and this could be speculation because I love to do that. Mm. There was a, a essence of rainbow anytime mm-hmm. they were using oh, right. the power of it. Could be Green Lantern power. Could be hmm. something similar to Halo's power. Right. How hmm. she has all of the colors. We've we've talked at length about there's so many color based characters. Sure. There's that new mystery character that came up in uh, the Tigress arc that was using the color powers with the right. like right. different limbs and stuff. So it could be any of those because also that character was a complete mystery that they didn't even tell us anything about by the end of that arc. So that could True. very yeah. much be a a way that we tie Tigris and everything from the start back in, because that is probably the most disjointed of all of the arcs at this point, I would say, is that one just kind of happened. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Uh, I went towards Halo in that direction just because Metron made the mother box and mm. supposedly made this other device that we're talking about. So when it turned rainbow, like I just figured that was the effect of like Metron technology. But mm. it was really fascinating because you could see the shock on everyone's face when it started to like split and change colors and stuff like that. Like, oh, we're going to a place that they're used to. Mm. Mm. Uh, but his line of, uh, ah, this is not the item that you seek, but perhaps the one that you have. Uh, or the, oh, the, the, prize. Head, was, like, the prize. The prize. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a delivery on that. I was like, man, I just, it's one of those characters. It's like you, you hate the person, but you just love the delivery of everything. You know? Oh, yeah well he not to get too far ahead but he had a great line as well that i really appreciate as just a reference to sci-fi in general when he gets knocked back into the debate area the diplomatic area and he's like if you want to save this entire galaxy come with me to survive which is total reference to terminator which is like arguably one of the best time travel sci-fi stories out there there's no time to explain get in we have to go yeah. <laughs> right. I I did really appreciate the fact that Mantis was able to have a little bit of a come up and stare. Lorzad threw some shade at him when they were first being attacked by the baby Sun Eater. He's like, I think Maafalek said it only had a rudimentary conscience, so he was only able to brain blast it temporarily. And he's like, I can't use my heat vision on it because that's just going to feed it the solar energy it's looking for. And we know Mantis is good for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the bugs no one appreciates the bugs yeah <laughs> he just yeeted the box right into the ship and like nicely grabbed everybody else <laughs> mm. yeah right yeah he he was just going off on his own and then just holding that up mantis has found the device mantis did it i'm like oh no it's a forger <laughs> <laughs> like mantis remembers how to use this right right like good boy i'm sure you yeah. do goes back one day Yeah, and I remember when he was, like, getting the resolve to kind of stand up against the Sun Eater, he said something to the extent, like, by Rao, R-A-O, I I will do this. And he wasn't the only character. I think Lorzad also said something, like, by Rao. So I'm wondering who this, like, deity is. Is he a new god, or it seems like it's a god that is kind of, like, unified amongst Kryptonians as well as new Geneseans. It's, It's interesting. Well, I feel like that was in the same breath as he was talking about his power. So Rao could possibly be something that, like, wherever he's sourcing his power or, you know, some form like that. I could be mistaken, but I feel like it was in that same time sphere moment when he was talking about everyone's power set. 
a fictional star in the DC universe, Superman's planet Krypton revolved around it. Oh, well, there we go. I mean, Rao kind of reminded me of Ra, which is like sun. Sure, in, yeah. Like Egyptian definitely mythology. So that's what I was like. That makes sense. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. And uh, I, I had a question surrounding this arc. I don't know anything. I don't know if you guys know the answer. The green eye. Have we seen that before, or was that a total that's going to come from left field later on? The uh, eye that Lorzad found in one of the containers and said, is this what I think it is? And then the red swarm showed up and he tucked it into his coat and then said, we'll deal with this later. That is the one unanswered question of the fandom wiki. Oh, so the wiki doesn't even know. That's when it's so much fun. Mm. Uh well, TJ, Fabian, I would love to know your <laughs> thoughts because yeah. you guys are really good at this. We leave it to yeah. you. Uh, Please we educate do have, us. We do have the trivia where it's uh, Metron's seal of Krypton resembles the depiction of Rao and Krypton from the 1978 Superman the movie. Ooh, good old Richard Donner. Always loves some uh, nice hot continuity. Yeah, It was interesting that like it was Mantis that was looking through all the boxes in the end. Because if mm-hmm. the if a Kryptonian was actually looking through it, I'm curious like what else he would have been fascinated with. Mm, right. But there could have been like something like huge in those boxes and he was like, crap, 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 crap. This is what I need. <laughs> oh, that would have yeah. been amazing if they did a little montage of him throwing things and we're just like, wait, I know that. What what's yeah, that right? one? <laughs> like yeah. uh like Hella in uh oh, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yep. <Break. laughs> yep. Yep. Love it. Love it. I guess my final takeaway for this particular arc with this unlikely trio was that it was in the opening scene when Ma'alphalek had posed as Orion and and came back into the time sphere and was talking and, and, you know, debriefing his compatriots there. And he said it was so easy because Rocket had everything on the surface of her mind. She's so distrustful of Orion and it's because he's the son of Darkseid. And then Lorzod's shock at that, like he did not know that. Like he is a trusted agent of Darkseid, but he doesn't even know what Darkseid's family ties are. And he said something to the extent, how can the Lord of Apocalypse tolerate such disloyalty? And it makes me wonder if he being the son of a similar despot and with my limited background knowledge, knowing that Lorzot is actually a hero in the comics, is that kind of setting him up for possible redemption? He's kind of of the right age to join these group of, of heroes, right? Yeah, even with like the Artemis arc where it was like, Who's telling the truth? It's like, well, obviously the one who hits the age group to be part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah well, I, I'm really curious to see how this shakes out because you not only have that difference, but I believe it was from one of the feedbacks we got that there mm. was a child swap in the comics mm-hmm. and that's how Orion ended up for the New Gods. If there mm-hmm. wasn't that swap, is it a betrayal or was that still a part of it that, you know, they took him from dark side for some technology or some information? Like, mm. I, I think they planted that seed for an interesting reason. And I okay. want to know what it is. Yeah, that's. And that was one of those moments because of Bobby and TJ. I was like, I know why. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's really cool because, you know, no shade to them, but. Source Pages is way too busy covering Marvel stuff to help us out with all of this. And I totally Mm -hmm. get why they're doing it. I'm not slighting them, but we're kind of flying blind 
So having that help from all of you listeners out there who have read comics is really, really nice. When we and we that. always talk about how much we love interacting with our listeners. So that makes that us too. happy that like you guys are impactful for us. We love chatting with you all. Definitely, definitely. Uh, with that in mind, as much as we love interacting with you, we need you to interact with us. Give us some love. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Share us with your friends. Send us some feedback. You can do that at animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or check out our Twitter feed, animationdelib1, at animationdelib1, or take a look at the Instagram that we have uh, being run with a tremendous effort by one Andrew Rogers. Yeah, Anything I ha- to plug there? I have a lot of fun going on over there. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be posting up that picture of uh, Captain Levi that we got mm-hmm. from Christy or Chrissy rather. And uh, yeah, so if you guys want to see that, go over there. That's where I put up most of our stuff. We do use the other socials, but the biggest brunt of all of our things, I put stuff on our story about every day, whether it be news about animation, news about other things going on, or just fun stuff. Like today, I threw up a picture of me getting ready to watch Young Justice to remind you, hey, we're recording a podcast. So also watch this with us as well as some uh, fun nods to it being National Superhero Day. Shout out Mm. to DC Comics for putting the most lovely picture on their Instagram that I have reposted (laughs) to anyone who has seen it and uh, knows my history with Nightwing, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a fun time. Before we go, though, I did have one more point on this episode, unless Zuhair wants to plug something else. Yeah, go for it. What you got? That is a cool picture. (laughs) He saw it. Oh, my God. No, I didn't see that one yet. (laughs) I saw the group picture before I saw that one. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Okay. Uh, and and that was DC's official page getting this very very uh, interesting damn, reaction out of us. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of night meat. Inter- anyways, uh, so in oh, honor wow. of uh, NFL draft week, I was invited to the three two three with Reed Murphy once more, and we spiced it up a little bit, and we actually had a draft for animated movies, and the objective was that you have to entertain a group from 2 to 92 for 24 hours with five movies and we went in like a draft order and whoever picked obviously nobody else could pick that one so 323 with reed murphy uh there's a vote going on on all of the social media platforms so go over there and vote for me because i definitely had the best andrew's trying to argue otherwise but i had the best don't listen to him uh so yeah it was a fun time over there it always is and yeah go commanders all right you can't see him totally decked out in commander's gear, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ordering the pizza like as we speak right now because I'm ready to run downstairs <laughs> and just watch. For Not sure. like I have work to For do sure. or anything. Andrew, you said you had one more final thought on the episode before we get out of here. What you got? Yeah, I just wanted to say the music has been phenomenal. I always yes. like to call attention to this, uh, especially for people who like to rewatch these things, to be able to go through and listen. Uh, specifically, the music throughout Gar's therapy session was the reason that I think I was basically in tears. They just put so much emotion into Mm -hmm. it. They play with your subconscious. The entire time there was a mix of these inklings of the Phantom Zone theme with, I think they uh, made pacing different and a little bit of your uh, volumes different to just make it seem that slight sinister feel when uh, Zod started to take over everything. It was just so well-rounded. And then I wanted to talk about it last week and I totally forgot 
Razor's theme was amazing. They mm. had this beautiful, like beyond the stars, Star Wars sci-fi kind of moment when mm. he was flying away with the power rings right at the end. It just felt like the screen was going to do the clean circle wipe back in and the Star Wars fanfare was going to kick off. They <laughs> they had it orchestrated so well, and I, I can't not bring attention to it when they do this because it's so subconscious that I don't realize it half the time. And when I do, it's just beautiful because they're doing so many things to immerse you right in. And the music is such a big part of it so often. So I, I wanted to throw that out there because I forgot last week and I didn't want to forget again this week because they did a good job and they've done a really good job. This arc specifically Atlantis was a little bit more subdued. This one's just okay. awesome over the top for all of the new God stuff. Mm. Yeah. Really selling that otherworldly feel. Yes. That's exactly how I would phrase it. Yeah. Well, as we're getting out of here and on the subject of mu musicality and talking about a little bit of the cult of personality that we got with Zod, I will close out by saying thanks for tuning in. Rate, like, share for the cast of Pod. Stay well. <clears throat> oh, man, my throat really clogged up for that. Stay whelmed. <laughs> Until next. Nope, nope. <laughs> 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 muscle muscle everyone these are muscle, actors muscle. we're not used to take care y'all <laughs> <laughs> sorry thank you for listening to the animation deliberation podcast a proud member of the stranded panda network if you would like to contact us you can email animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at animation delib one for this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Strandapanda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Blockout dates may apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, Make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.